みんなもっとパーティーを楽しもう立ち上がり踊って会場警備のセキュリティがどういうか知らないけど別に騒いでトラブルを起こそうという意味じゃないいよいよクライマックスさて Record collecting enthusiasts whose mission is to celebrate and examine our often unhealthy, always obsessive, more often than not creepily intimate relationship that we share with the physical media that is vinyl records. And across from me is, of course, our dear friend, my Sonic Sensei, Jay. I hope that you feel our enthusiasm for the vinyl. We're very enthusiastic about that. Yeah, and this vinyl tablecloth is sticking to me. It's very hot. <laughs> it's, it's super hot. This has been a really mild summer, and today is really like the first day in probably a month and a half or two where it's been actually felt like. Summer. It's summer. As it rained, it's humid, it's sticky. Yeah, sticky. I like it though. I like summer. I want it to feel like fucking summer. My whole thing with this is I hope that because the summer was mild, that the winter will be mild, but I feel like it's not going to be true because God hates me. Yes, that's true. That is true. It's going to be really cold, rainy, icy, shitty for months and months and months. Right. Yeah. And for some reason, we'll still be like, hey, it's climate change and we just have to accept (laughs) it. Our lives are terrible. So here we are at the snowflake table in my dining room. Before we get into the actual podcast itself, I'm going to let you explain what the theme is because it was kind of, well, I know we both kind of came to an agreement on it, but I do want to know in your move, when you're moving, you moved from one house to another house. We've been doing this not in your basement, but in my dining room. This is the first podcast that we've done without my friend Ollie. Yeah, dude. And that sucks. And that is my dog. And I had to put him down about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. He was annoying. <laughs> I would put him in the kitchen while we did this, and he would whine like a bitch. Yeah. And I would have to pick him up, and I would have to hold him as yeah. we did the podcast. Yeah. But I missed that little son of a bitch. I we too. both lost dogs during this podcast. Yeah. I lost Jay, and you yeah. lost Ollie, and it's a sad thing. And the big question on the mind of everybody out there in Podcast America, I'm sure, is are you going to get another dog? Nope. No? The only reason why is because I'm not married, I don't have kids, I don't have like people in my house. So I feel bad. Even though if I was to get a dog from a shelter, it wouldn't wherever, have the wherever, wherever I would grab him or her from, it would still be a better life than the shelter. Sure. But the whole idea of getting a dog and then leaving him home nine hours a day while I'm at work... Does yeah. not sit well with me. Right, I get that. I love fucking dogs, and I I don't like fucking dogs. Yeah, I like fucking dogs. <laughs> um, I'm not a dog fucker as a general rule. As a general um, rule. And it's so funny because I just really kind of started doing more and more stuff on Instagram. <laughs> like literally, everything on Instagram that pops up is just all dog shit. Yeah. It's like it's all puppies and dogs and corgis and stuff like that too. And it just breaks my heart because I fucking love dogs so much. But I'm not. I don't think I'm going to do that. Well, everybody loved Ollie, and please don't ever feel embarrassed or ashamed that you share the fuck out of your memories with your little guy. Because even those who never met him, I met him obviously quite a bit, but 
Even Shannon, who never met him, every time she knew I was coming over to Howie's to podcast, she was like, <laughs> make sure you get a picture of Holly. Like, she didn't really give a fuck much about you. <laughs> no, I don't, and I don't blame her at all, obviously. <laughs> but Holly she, was she totally wanted to make sure that I was uh, checking up on yeah, Holly. So, so handsome yeah. little man, I miss him. Lifting our drinks right now. Yeah. In the memory of Holly, we're going to do this shit. My man. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and let you explain what the theme is for this particular episode. Throughout our podcasting history, we would recommend, you know, certain artists that either fell to a theme or they weren't represented by a theme, but we would say that they are on such and such label. And a lot of times the whoever wasn't talking about it would chime in and say, oh, that's a label that we trust, right? Exactly. We run across this all the time, whether it be with blind buys or something that we purposely bought just for the sole Especially reason. Especially the blind buy part. Yeah, that they're on a label that, that we, we trust. trust. So we said, hey, why don't we do an episode on labels that we trust? Some of our favorite labels. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. This is the yeah. episode of the labels that we trust at Lightning Licks Radio. And we're going to go over a little bit of the history of the label. And then we're going to pick a band or a special album by a band on that label yes. and put a track from that on our mixtape. Perfectly put, by the way. Yeah. And so I do want to say there are labels that we could have talked about that I feel like they've been talked about forever. I love like Don Giovanni. Yeah. We talked about American Laundromat yeah. when we were talking a few episodes ago, but there are labels like Merge and Sub Pop that are still relevant labels today. Like I love the fact that when Merge and Sub Pop came out, there were so many labels, whether it be Amphetamine Reptile or Homestead, those labels are long gone. Yeah. But I love that Merge and Sub Pop are still relevant yeah, and they're awesome. still putting out relevant music like it's cool i'm not going to talk about sub pop because it's been done to death and yeah. merge has been done to death yep. but those are both great fucking labels and i love that that they're still around i mean you can certainly expect when we do talk about acts that are represented by that label we will almost certainly say well that's a label that we trust for right? sure absolutely yeah, yeah. So I just kind of want to get that out of the way, too. But there's a lot of labels that we could have talked about. And I, it was really hard for me to come up with the five that I came up with. Was I don't it? know about you. No, but, yeah. it wasn't too terribly difficult. I just looked at, uh, you know, I just thought about the ones I like the most. Sure. sure. And, and, and I, if nothing else, I am an overthinker of everything. Yeah, that's so how it works. There it is. There it is. So because this was kind of your idea, I feel like you should go first with your first label, your first band slash artist. Okay. I want you to go first. Okay. Well, let's talk about a label, Delicious Final. Yep. One of those labels that I loved and trusted most, thanks in no small part due to their awesome logo. It is iconic. Yep. It's perfect for a t-shirt and also a record sleeve. And if you haven't seen it, it's a cartoon or a caricature to be more specific, a goofy fella in a pork pie hat who just bit a chunk off of an LP and he's all like, delicious. That's, <laughs> that's it. 
It's fucking dope. And although there isn't a ton of releases or artists in Delicious Finals stable, um, there's some important stuff in there that came out of this LA label. Important to hip hop history, but yeah. also just important to my evolution as an appreciator and, of music. And mine too, and not even in a hip hop sense. That's, which is you're even a cooler guy, yeah. but they cover a lot of sonic ground a little bit. Right. This is an LA label founded in 1987 by a couple of dudes, Mike Ross and Matt Dyke. Dyke, the Dust Brothers, yeah, went on uh, to be even more important. Uh, figure in hip-hop uh, history due to his involvement in the Beastie Boys time in L.A. leading to Paul's critique. He was the fella that introduced the Beasties to the Chemical Brothers and the record that was recorded in his apartment it was Paul's Boutique, right? So he yeah. was an executive producer of sorts of that landmark record by the Beastie Boys. Yeah. One of my favorites of all time. Uh, he passed my- Yeah, he passed away a few years back, sadly. Yeah, I feel like the Dust Brothers, as them as producers, were yeah. probably a little more significant. I don't want to say significant, but they were probably more significant as producers as they were as a label, maybe. Right. I don't know. But Matt also co-wrote Delicious Vinyl's first big hit, and that was Tone Loke's famous frat house rack rap banger, Wild Thing. Yeah. Yeah, and also Young MC. Yeah. I feel like... Is Along it, with is rapper it, Young MC. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was badass. Young MC, of course, went on to release his own hits. He had Bust a Move, and I had all those tapes, and I loved all those tapes as a fucking fifth grader, and that's where I first became aware of the label by getting the cassettes, their iconic logo on the cassettes. Uh, 10, 11 years old. Love that shit. And then Delicious Final continued. It should also be noted that they did not only dabble in hip hop. There was a band that we talked about in uh, our podcast a few episodes ago called Masters of Reality. Right. They also did rock and roll bands. Yep. Delicious Vinyl, again, there was one of those things like you saw it and you knew if it had the logo on it, you were probably going to love it. Still around today, more than 30 years later, had quite a few other successes, a lot of Caribbean flavored shit that actually went to number one, like in different countries, like the Born Americans, uh, dance hall rappers like Def Jeff, also Neo Soul, Funksters. Brand New Heavies was yeah. on that label, and I, I love, love that, that band. Yeah. Like the <laughs> first like kind of Neo Soul thing that I'd ever heard before, that, yeah. that band grabbed me hard and quick, like right away. Nadia Davenport was their singer for a, yeah. a few of the records, and those are the ones that I typically gravitate to because her voice voice is incredible, but she is also awesome. Her first solo record, do you ever hear that? No, I don't think so. It didn't, something happened with the music industry where it was supposed to be put on delicious vinyl, but it was being produced by a guy who wanted it on his label, whatever the case. You can only find it on YouTube. It's not available on Spotify, but if you get a chance, it's a self-titled LP from her. It's totally worth a listen. She's yeah. fucking incredible. She's a badass, and that band, it was fucking tight. Even the, all the instrumental stuff is so vintage soul. I love that stuff. Me too. Big fan. Yeah, I, big fr- fan. I completely forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up, because I've got all yeah. their stuff on CD, but I have not listened to it in years. Yeah. In years. Check them out. They're still around. Delicious Final. Yep. Uh, they released a, <laughs> uh, a silly little album in the early 90s by some weirdo teens, Amani, Slim Kid Trey, Booty Brown, and Fat Lip, known collectively oh. as The Far Side. Oh. And their first record, 1992's Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, two was Roman numeral two, undeniable classic. I wore that cassette out, and for me... I I didn't get it probably till 93, but that album had everything that I was super into and craving at the time. Farside was like my West Coast De La Soul of sorts, right? Yeah. You got to remember, this is 93. This is Dre Day, dude. This is everything West Coast. This is Ice Cube. This is Spice One. This is Ghetto Boys. This is everything but lowbrow, goofy nerd rap. And that's what I really wanted to hear was more lowbrow, goofy rap and the far side actually came through with that i was more of that backpack and coffee house rap 
fans. Before so it was called that. The Beasties obviously tribe arrested development, diggable planets, and it was typically out of the East Coast. So when it came from the West Coast, this goofball group of weirdos kicking all sorts of ass out of nowhere on a label that put out Tone Loke and Young MC, I was totally in, and they returned. My high school career was bookended by Farside releases. Bizarre ride to the far side when I went into high school and Every when I was graduating. <laughs> it was Lab Cabin, California, and that was their second release. At the time, uh, it seems it wasn't critically acclaimed, but for me, I loved this fucking record. I played it all the time. I remember what shit smelled like when I would listen to that CD in my car. It smelled mostly like jupe cologne and like old clothes cigarettes and disappointment, but I could remember the way it smelled nonetheless. <laughs> it was a fucking beautiful time in my life, a coming of age moment, and this was my soundtrack, Lab Cabin California by The Far Side. So that is the album that I'm gonna pick my choice cut from, my choice cut being the song She Said by Far Side. And look, in a time of the glittery coats and, and everybody was hosed and it's just a song about being vulnerable in a relationship. You know, she said, it'd be good if you stay with me tonight. So I granted her wish. But a lot of the times, if you listen to the verses, these guys weren't getting laid. They were just spending the night at a girl's house, which to me, like even that would have been a victory at that time. For so sure. Absolutely. I really love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. That's delicious final. Your turn. Your turn. You go. All right. So I went with, I wanted to do kind of an older thing. And the first one that I came up with, this is a pretty big one. It's a major label. It's actually distributed by Warner Brothers, and that's a label called Sire Records. Right. Their Sire Records was actually, I didn't realize that they'd been around as long as they were. They was actually created in like 1966. Seymour Stein, who passed away recently, created that fucking label with Richard Goderer, who was original member of the Strange Loves, who was the band that did the original version of I Want Candy, but he also went on to produce like the first Go-Go's record. He produced Marshall Crenshaw. He became a very famous producer. He was, he was the Jerry Moss to... Seymour Stein's Herb Alpert, okay. the A and M thing. God, I'm, <laughs> this is some geeky fucking shit right now. Yeah, but um, the thing is, like, is a major label. And now people talk about Atlantic Records in the '60s with seven, you know, in the, the soul stuff, the Ray Charles, all the Aretha Franklin, as being like super important. But in my mind, I cannot think of a major label that had as much impact on you, on anybody. Yeah, like if you think about it, as a major label. The very first, the major that I that I remember, I was trying to think of the very first Sire record that I can remember buying, and that was the first Ramones record. Mm -hmm. If you go on Wikipedia and you look at the bands that were signed to a Sire record, Seymour Stein had the best taste in music. Honestly, it's so far-reaching. He was so fucking like prophetic. He took chances on bands that no one would have. And I love the fact that if you go onto Wikipedia and you see the bands that are on that label and artists that were on that label, it's stunning. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So, like, I just want to talk about, like, everywhere, like, I'm going to go A to Z. They didn't sign a Z band. <laughs> but everything from Aztec Camera to Yaz. Yeah. So they did the punk rock thing. I, that's how I discovered Sham 69, the Dead Boys, the Undertones, who we talked about a few episodes ago, DMZ, who we've also talked about. Yeah. But also, they had the whole fucking second British invasion came in with all those synth bands. They were on top of that with Ministry and all the Vince Clark, the triad of Vince Clark, Depeche Mode, Yaz, and Erasure, Soft Cell, all that stuff was fucking sire. And then they had the Cult, they had the replacements. He dabbled in hip hop because he grabbed iced tea. Nice he put out the body count record yeah. when no one would put that out. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, they had all the hits. He had Katie Lang. He had the Pet Shop Boys. He had the Pretenders, the Talking Heads. 
Brian Wilson and fucking Madonna. Oh, like, wow. honestly, that Sire Records shadow cast is so long and important. You can argue with me if you want to meet me at the bar and we'll have drinks and we'll talk about it. For my money, the most important record label of all maybe time. ever. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this as we go on. But back in the day when I was a kid and you didn't have MTV and you didn't have the internet, you were just blind buying shit. And so if you were in a record store and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to buy this. I don't know who Dinosaur, Echo and the Bunnyman is. And you flip it over and you see the Sire logo. Yeah. You're probably you're okay. It. Yeah. You're probably going to be okay. You're going to take a fucking chance on that. So honestly, the reach that Seymour Stein had in the music industry is nearly untouchable by anybody. I don't care what anybody says. That's incredible. So the song, uh, the the band and the song and whatever that I'm going to use for the mixtape, I wanted to go obscure. Obviously, I'm not going to pick Madonna. I love Madonna, yeah. but I'm not going to pick her. Love her. Oh, but From it's Bay a, City. It, it's a, yeah, one of our locals, one of our own, mm-hmm. is a band out of Edinburgh, Scotland called the Rosillos. Mm-hmm. They made one record, and then their second one? record was a live record. Oh. That first record that came out, it was called Can't Stand the Rosillos. The second record was called Mission Accomplished. The beat goes on. That was a live record they were kind of mining at the time what a couple other bands were in they're kind of like 50s kind of trash trailer park aesthetic that the b-52s were kind of on the beehive hairdos the cramps were also kind of mining that same thing aesthetically it's just flat out cool fun punk rock and roll like when everybody was talking about you know everything all the punk rock in that day was like all political and stuff they were doing fun shit they were doing cover tunes like yeah. cool cover tunes like the dave clark five and stuff they ended up leaving that label and they became the Ravillos. They changed their name from the Rosillos to the Ravillos because Steve Stein said, you can leave the label, but you can't use the name. So they did record a couple records on the Ravillos, which I don't love as much as the Rosillo stuff. My other thing about the Rosillos that I love is their guitar player. This is like flat out punk. He had like one of the best guitar tones I've ever heard. And then the gnarly. And then he moved on. He left the Rosillos. He moved on to fucking Human League. And I love the irony of the <laughs> fact that this is a punk rock guitar player who is moving to like one of the most influential synth bands of all time. Right. And he's writing shit like Don't You Want Me Baby and Keep On Feeling Fascination after coming from the Rosillo. Doesn't even seem possible. No, it does not. So the song that I want to use from the mix is from their one and only studio record. It's a song called My Baby Does Good Sculptures. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's fun. The ribs. And if you go on, it's cool to go on YouTube when they were on like Top of the Pops and stuff too. She does. She has like the big beehive. They have like a big 50s thing going on that's pretty cool. The aesthetic is cool. It's a great band. And, and again, I can't say a much more important Sire Records was to a lot of us. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, what else you got? I got Matador Records. This label meant a lot to me in my indie or alt-rock experience way back when in the 90s when I was just a little wee teen. This Brooklyn label started an apartment in the late 80s, uh, really signed some great acts early on and continues to this day, although they're not nearly as indie as they once were. Baker's Group owns a sizable chunk. But, you know, but so Beckers what? is pretty indie, too, though. Yeah, but they're a larger indie yeah, group. But, yeah, but they're not, like, putting out... Yeah, so it was more of a merger than a takeover, shit, yeah. right? Yeah, which is cool. I found out about this label in high school. John Talaga, my friend, in detention. Or, you know, maybe math <laughs> class. I always, like, I remember it as detention, but I was not in trouble early on in my high school. So I'm thinking, like, that's just my street cred way of saying we were probably in the same math class. It was your breakfast club. Yeah, my breakfast club with John Talaga, either math class or detention. A musical influencer of mine. He wrote me out a list of alt bands to check out based on my appreciation of Beck's tunes. Mellow Gold had just been burning up the charts. It was taking over the world, and this list is essentially, it became my Camelot music 
music shopping list yeah. where I would, you know, come to spend my allowance. Buy it, check it yeah. off. And on that on. list was Pavements, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, a Matador release. And I loved Pavements, so immediately... I was on the lookout for other Matador bands to sort of filter out my list. I only had so much money to spend. And like you said, when you're blind buying, if you saw a label that you trusted, that's what you went for. So started with Pavement, continued with Liz Fair and Come and Teenage Fan Club's first record, Super yeah. Chunk, fucking Helium. I love Helium. And then it went on like through my musical existence to bands like Cat Power, Bell and Sebastian, fucking Interpol, The New Pornographers, Queens in the Stone Age, Kurt Vile, more recently like Snail Mail, Julian Baker, Perfume Genius, fucking Spoon. Like, yeah, this fucking Very, label. Like, much like Sub Pop yeah. and Merge, this label is really, really relevant still. Yep. And of course, I want to mention one of uh, Jay's favorite, uh, GBV, was yeah. on that label yep. initially. They were for a while a little bit. Yep. So this label is money, honey. They put out good music non-stop. So and I chose still. them. I gotta take it back to 1993. It was a time for Dion to begin his love affair with female singer-songwriter types. Liz Fair was getting a lot of press, Rolling Stone cover and shit. And as soon as I saw the Exile and Guyville cassette in the case at the store, I noticed it was a Matador release. And as Jay pointed out, um, I don't even remember what I pointed out. You pointed out that, that you can see your nipple on the cover. Oh, yeah, on the cover, yeah, for Exile and Guyville, yeah, it's a nipple shot. There's a little bit of a nipple there. Just a little bit. Yeah, and that photo was taken by Nash Cato from Urge Overkill, a fellow Chicagoan. Yeah, her buddy. Yeah, one of their friends. Yeah. So it uh, really knocked my socks off when I listened to it. A little bit of that was the bad girl image that was inferred. I mean, she swore some. She wrote songs about sex. I was a teenager. It just made sense. And she had a song called Fucking Run, for God's sake. Yeah, and the whole I want to be your blowjob queen. That shit was hot, no doubt. But songs about a young woman's experiences. It was a brand new experience for me. I mean, I heard Salt and Peppa on the radio or whatever, but this was way deeper than She's that. She's kind of groundbreaking, and, yeah. and I'm not sure that she gets the credit that she deserves, actually. Her songs were like an adventure. It was like a novel almost. It was like a diary more than a novel. You know, it was an important record and it's not under the radar. This is a celebrated record, but it deserves all those accolades because it is a big deal. And sometimes I forget, like I revisit and re-fall in love with this record every three to five years or something because I do easily forget how well produced it is, how great her voice sounds, how the songs themselves stand the test of time. Yeah. And it was experimental at times too. It wasn't just a straight up rock record. She had songs in there, especially the one like I mentioned with the I Want to Be Your Blowjob Queen. That song is just like a, it's a weird kind of meditation. It's it's just a really beautiful record and, and I forget about how much I enjoy it. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring it to this dining room table covered in Christmas snowflakes. cloth. <laughs> but we're not snowflakes. Because it's important and I just really want to shine a spotlight on it, man. Like that album really meant a lot to me. It's something that I didn't listen to with my friends, but it is definitely something that I listened to by myself and sat with for a long time. And I loved all the shit that she came out with after that. All the pop stuff, that was yeah, all great Yeah, when she got to Capitol Records, yeah. yeah. But she, that was pretty groundbreaking stuff at the time, too. Yeah. And then she was taking control of her own, like, femininity at that time. It was her own brand of feminism when people really weren't. I mean, there were Riot Girls and stuff around, but she kind of approached it at a completely different angle, Right. I and, think. And it primed and we, the pump. It primes the pump for me easily to fall head over heels for American female soul artists like Fiona Apples or Phoebe Bridgers or whoever. Yeah. Like, that was... It started. That's the origin story. And we haven't talked about even, you didn't even mention that Exile was her song by song retort to yeah. the Rolling Stones Exile on Main Street. Like, I still don't really get that connection. And we talked either. about that earlier, yeah. but I'm not going to, if she's saying it, I believe her. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. 
So um, the track that I want to put on the mixtape is a track. It's kind of an album cut called Mesmerizing. It's, it's a little bit deeper, but not too terribly underground. You'll have probably heard this one before if you've heard Liz Fair's records, but uh, that's all right. Listen again. Yeah. Liz Fair. Mesmerizing. Again, listening to a lot of this stuff, I got into some of my collection that I have not listened to in a while. So it's fun to rediscover stuff in your own collection. Yeah. So rediscover the joy that is Liz Fair. And all her interviews rule. Even it's up to this day, I've heard recent interviews with her, and she's really down to earth. She's and still such cool. a badass. She's still cool. She's such a badass. Period. Yeah. 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 Fucking right. What do you got? What's a label you trust? This is a, and we've talked about this. We kind of touched on it probably actually in a couple different episodes, but the next label I want to talk about is Burger Records. Yep. Burger Records was kind of like the first label where I would literally jump on the website, see their new releases, read the description, and just order shit. I had no idea what it sounded like. I would just buy it because I trusted that they were going to put out this pop, psych, garage, bubblegum shit that they always put out that was always great. It's always great. And I love the fact that back in the day too, like I would buy some of that stuff at the kitchen and they had that sticker there. It's like, hi, I'm a burger record. Yeah. And I would just buy that shit because I trusted them. That's like the first like label that I remember like thinking like, I'm not going to not like anything from this label. Yeah. A couple dudes formed that label in Fullerton, California, say way back in 2007. The initial selling point was you can pretty much attribute the whole renaissance of cassette tapes to Burger Records. They were putting out cassettes at the time when no one did, super limited edition, but they were putting out stuff like, there are bands like uh, The OCs and Ty Siegel and Off and Red Cross and Circle Jerks. All those bands had their own label. Those labels were not fucking with cassettes. Burger would put out the only versions of cassettes that those bands had. And so that was kind of their thing for a while. But they did obviously put out seven inches, they put out vinyl, they put out CDs, all of that stuff. They became pretty big for a while. They had their own store, the Burger Store. Yeah. And then they also had like their version of like Lollapalooza. Yeah, festival. They had their festivals, yeah, the Burgerama. Uh-huh. And I would see those lineups and it's all those bands that I fucking loved. And then of course, they were kind of me too. Yeah. In 2020, there was a handful yeah. of bands that were accused of grooming sexual inappropriateness with younger girls. Mm-hmm. There was a handful of bands and that Burger Records kind of quietly dissolved. Kind of just disappeared. They just went away. They did. The, I can't think of the two guys. The guys' names are like John Borman and Lee Richard and I can't remember. One of those guys, they quietly opened up another record store in Fullerton, California and it's actually called White Rabbit Records. I actually follow them on Facebook, but they're very, very quiet and they're not releasing stuff. Mm-hmm. So th- that's kind of interesting too. But a lot of the bands that I love, like I, what I want to do is when we talked about this, labels that we love, these are the bands that I discovered through Burger Records. And th- this list is ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. Cherry Glazer. Boom. Habibi, L.A. Witch, mm-hmm. a Peach Kelly Pop, the awesome. Cosmonauts, yep. a Davila 666, the Summer Twins, the Aqua Dolls, mm-hmm. Mateel, who I've talked about repeatedly, repeatedly on the show, started there. Sarah Beth Nelson, the Death Valley Girls, and Sam Coffee and the Iron Lung that we just talked yeah. about like an episode ago, all started out on Burger Records. And I love that. I'm not sure how that worked out, but all of those bands the guys that own the label gave them their, like their music masters. back. Yeah. So like Habibi has like reissued their stuff yep. on other labels. Death Valley Girls have reissued their stuff on Suicide Squeeze, which is another label that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. The band and the song that I want to use for the mixtape is a band called Easy Love. 
And basically, Easy Love is just one woman. It's a woman named Justine Brown. She's put out two records, but they were also in another band that I love from Burger called the Summer Twins. And she was in that band with her sister, Chelsea. And then when she decided she was going to do some stuff on her own, she did Easy Love. So the first record is on Burger. She has a record that came out in 2020 called Wander Feeler. I don't remember what label that's on, but it's all the things that you love about Burger. Again, it's that kind of like psych, garage, pop. It's like a post-relationship record, so all the lyrics are about, you know, heartbreak and stuff like that. It's really cool. So it's Easy Love is the name of the record. It's self-titled. The song that I'm going to put on the mix is called I'll Be Fine. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this earlier, too. I just recently, again, because I've been like going back and pulling out records I haven't listened to in a long time, I started following her on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm sick of seeing all of her fucking pictures at the beach. Stop going to the beach, (laughs) start recording some new music. She hasn't recorded anything like since 2020. Uh-huh. And she's actually worked with Winter too, which is one of my other my favorite like yeah. shoegaze Many dream times pop you bands. Like, we've yeah. talked about that. So, yeah, Easy Love, self titled. I'll be fine is the track on the mix, and we're gonna move on from Burger Records to what? We're gonna go to Saddle Creek Records. Saddle Creek. I got into this label basically due to one dude, Tim Fucking Casher. In the yep. late '90s, early aughts, this fella was the man. He was lyrically a god. He was like this cool emo type dude. I realize there's like a billion different definitions for emo. This is my type of emo. Frontman of the band Cursive, and when I heard their 2003 album, The Ugly Organ, which I think came to my attention from fucking MySpace, I became a fan. When he played on Bright Eyes shit, I was a fan. When he started a band called The Good Life, again, a fan. But my fandom wasn't limited to just him. I ended up liking all, or at least most, of the shit that came from their label. Omaha, Nebraska's Saddle Creek Records started off as Lumberjack Records in their infancy, but then morphed into Saddle Creek, founded by musician-producer Mike Mogus and his business partner, Justin Oberist. Justin's surname probably sounds familiar to most of you out there in Podcast America because his brother, Connor, is another indie emo darling, most famously of Bright Eyes, but also... Desparcitos. One of my favorite bands of the new millennium. Desparcitos rules so hard. Yeah. He did solo shit as well. So Saddle Creek had quite the stable, obviously Curse of the Good Life, Bright Eyes, but bands like Azure Ray, Rilo Kiley, and eventually Jenny Lewis, The Faint, Tokyo Police Club, Minor Birds, Icky Blossoms, Hopalong, Steph Chura, Black Belt, Eagle Scout, and it's the label that Big Thief released their first few LPs on, and you know I love me some Big Thief. Uh, they moved to 4 AD, eventually another label that we trust, but uh, all good stuff from Saddle Creek Records. I got their newsletter, not in print, but electronically signed up for their email list or whatever. And everything that they featured on said e-newsletter has been worthwhile. Every time I ordered from them, you got a handwritten thank you note and some stickers. I really love that. Yeah, I I, I purchased uh, (laughs) Desaparecido's reissue and I love, I can't think of the woman's name that signed it because I was like, oh, she's in love with me. We were just joking about that. She's in love with me too because I got the same note. Yeah, yeah, like Justine or some shit. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> Just really solid customer service. Honorable folks, those saddle crickers. And I'm excited to see what is next for this label because they continue to put out some rad music. So I am going to include on the mixtape and talk a little bit about some newer shit from Tomberlin. This is Sarah Beth is her name. Tomberlin's her last name. She's a singer-songwriter based out of Louisville, Kentucky. She moved around a bunch. She's a preacher's daughter. So you know that her songs 
could be described as like haunting yeah. folk fucking awesome. We were talking about Maple Glider a couple yeah. of years ago too, yeah. and she was raised in a religious, and they make the most they <laughs> make great music. music. Yeah, she's got a beautiful voice, coming of age type stuff. She's cool on the internet, social media, pretty goofy. I like her. And uh, from the most recent LP, I don't know who needs to hear this. Another great 2022 release. I'm going to include the track Stoned on the mixtape. It's a cool track. Cool song. Slightly cinematic, but for the most part, it's just like, God, it's just got to drive. You just, you're hooked. She's got a wonderful voice. Yeah. In regards to bands that I love by Saddle Creek, obviously Azura Ray, yes. but the two women from that band that put out their solo shit, which I also love, uh, Maria Taylor and... Orenda Fink, the two girls, they put out solo stuff that's super worthy too on top of that. But I also love Laura Byrne, who was in The Minor Birds. She also did a side project called Georgie James Mm -hmm. with John Davis of Q and Not You. And it's just a fucking pop masterpiece. They did one record and that was it. But if that's your thing, it's very much kind of like what the new pornographers do. It's super catchy, super poppy. It's well worth checking out for sure. Awesome. And I can't even talk about how much I love the Desperacitos. I don't like Conor O'Burst. Yeah. I don't like his solo stuff. I right. like him as a human being. Like when I watch Amoeba, what's in my bag? Ring the bell. Yeah. Because I brought to go. it up. <laughs> I like him as a human being. I love how much he loves music. I've mm-hmm. never been a huge fan of Bright Eyes, and I'm not a huge fan of his solo stuff. But that Desperacitos, that first record, is easily like one of the best records in the new millennium for That's me. That's awesome. Yeah. I That's love awesome. that stuff. So that's Saddle Creek. So now we are going yeah. from Saddle Creek Records to this one. We're going to do uh, Suicide Squeeze. Suicide Squeeze. This is a label that's based out of Seattle, Washington. It was founded in like 1996. It was Seattle, so early on they were putting out stuff by Modest Mouse and Elliot Smith. Some of my new favorite bands from that label, I love, we've talked about the Coat Hangers many times on this. We just already talked about Death Valley Girls. I love LA Witch. The Paranoids, a band that we also both love, is on Suicide Squeeze. And again, they're just a label that I trust. David Dickerson, which I just wanted to mention this, David Dickerson is the guy who founded Suicide Squeeze. And I love whenever I buy a Suicide Squeeze record, like, I love that his name is actually on the return address. Like, it's that guy. It's That's the cool. guy who's fucking, he's probably he's packing that shit himself. Which I love, but he, also, but, but he also has the Minus the Bear, Ty Seagal stuff is on there. They've released stuff from the Black Keys, Iron and Wine, Paid with a Lion, Russian Circles. It's just a cool fucking label, period. Period. And I love them, and you can trust them. So the song that I want to use is a song, and we've talked about the Coat Hangers before, probably multiple times. Yeah, one of my favorite bands in the last probably 15 years. No one's doing post-punk better than them, and I've talked about them before. I'm just going to say it again. It's so much fun to watch their journey because when they came out, they were like a four-piece. They didn't know how to play their instruments. Yeah. And you watch them, that whole naivete thing that they had early on, and you can see from each record to each record that band getting tighter. The songs are getting better. They're becoming better musicians. And I don't think anyone's doing the whole post-punk thing better than Coat Hangers. I want to go something a little obscure. Yeah. So I went with the Split 45 that they did with These Arms Are Snakes, which is another Suicide Squeeze band. They do a cover of Gun Clubs, who I love Gun Club, and who doesn't? Who doesn't? They do a cover of Sex Beat, which is amazing. Yeah, it's a great song. It's amazing. It's great. And it definitely, like, they put their own little... It doesn't fall too far away from the original, but it, it feels like a coat hanger that. song. Yeah, yeah it, it makes just the way that she sings and the way yeah. that they play. It's just definitely a coat hanger song. It's awesome. So yeah, anything on the Suicide Squeeze. I should also mention too. I also love this. They actually paired up with this Oregon-based brewery 
called Fort George Brewery, and there's actually a Suicide Squeeze IPA. Yeah. I'm not a beer guy, and I hate IPAs. They're so hoppy, and I don't <laughs> like them. But I don't know too many labels that have their own beer, and that's cool. That I do, Suicide Squeeze has a beer. I do enjoy an IPA. I like the fact that it tastes like dirty underwear. <laughs> exactly. Get into that. <laughs> and it is not my thing. <laughs> so, all right. So, we're going from Suicide Squeeze to... Yeah. Stone's Throw Records. Stone's Throw is an indie hip-hop label out of L.A. founded by a DJ. Uh, his name is Peanut Butter Wolf in the late mid-90s. On my radar due to this fellow that I've talked about like a million times on Lightning Luke's radio, Jay Dilla. Jay Dilla released a... <laughs> ding, 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 yeah, ding, ding. Another. We got so Let's many bells. Amiibo bell. <laughs> he released um, probably like his most known project, like his deathbed production of... Donuts, the LP that he released through Stone's Throw Records, but also some other shit. But it's not just James Yancey or Jay Dilla. It's also another legendary producer that calls Stone's Throw his home. That'd be Mad Lib. But beyond Dilla and Mad Lib, they also put out shit from rappers MF Doom, Guilty Simpson, Oh No, J-Rock, and the Quakers. I don't know if you're going to know them, but you should get to know them if you're into rap music, especially underground independent rap music. And But also like Psych Fusion from Georgia Ann Muldrow, which is fucking awesome. And indie rock from bands like Washed Out and the Step Kids, and Neo Soul from acts like Al Black, who is awesome, and Mayor Hawthorne, just to name a few. This label has got it. They are always awesome. I love Stone's Throw. They release house experimental turntablism and jazz as well. Peanut Butter Wolf is a really cool guy. It's a name I've heard like yeah. my whole life. Not my whole life, but for a long time. And I don't know anything about the yeah. dude. Well, he's as much of an archivist as he is a businessman and musician or DJ. And there's literally nothing from this label that I've heard that I haven't loved on some level. Therefore, a label that I trust. Stones Throw Records. And did you say what the song that you put on the mix? No. What is I will. it? What song are you put on the mix? From that label. From that Dion. label, uh, the artist, his name is Homeboy Sandman. Which is great, by the way. Yeah, he is a uh, underground MC from Queens, New York. And the cut is called America the Beautiful. And it's not often that you're going to hear patriotic rap songs on Lightning Leaks Radio, but here we go. Uh, Homeboy Sandman is pretty prolific. This is from an album called America the Beautiful. And I love his shit. It's very lyrical, very literal, very laid back delivery. And on this song in particular, he celebrates our great country, but only by the services that she provides, like welfare, <laughs> housing assistance. And one of my favorite lines is like, so it turns out the roads aren't paved with gold, but at least they're paved though, you know? <laughs> like That's the way he rolls on this tune. Like, it's just about, it's kind of a be thankful for what you got kind of sure. vibe, but at the same time celebrating the, the country that we live in. Like... Um, we are, you know, we're, we, meaning the people that we know, we're the 99% locally, but we're the 1% globally. Kind of like it ain't so fucking bad if you can get what you get. Now, what's interesting about this, and you you brought this to my attention, the track was produced by a gentleman named John Wayne. J-O-N-W-A-Y-N-E. Yeah, All the, one word, yeah, John Wayne. The, the actual John Wayne also released an album in his time called America Why I Love Her. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally a full record of him talking about all the reasons he loves America over the, these two like, sappy yeah. orchestral tracks. None of him. which are the same yeah. reasons that Homeboy <laughs> Sam loves America. No, we no. should keep that in mind. These no. are the completely different opposite ends of the spectrum. But to, I mean, to me, that's really like you can be a patriot yeah. without like 
feeling one way or another about yeah, something. Yeah, it doesn't right? have to be political. You can just be fucking thankful. Yeah. And whatever you call first world problems, whatever, you can be thankful from where you come from. I Let's love celebrate. that they both exist in the same universe, though. <laughs> Let's celebrate America the Beautiful from completely different perspectives. So sure. check out Homeboy Sandman and <laughs> check out that John Wayne. What a weird record. If you get the chance, I'm it's sure so it's on cool. YouTube. I bought yeah. it years ago when I worked at New Moon and I just, yeah, I just freak. <laughs> I don't listen to it, obviously, very often. <laughs> Every 4th of July. Because I don't get super patriotic about that stuff, but I just love they both exist in the same universe. Right on. And they're both kind of saying the same thing. Like you said, they're both, I'm not going to go on more about that, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, America, mm-hmm. bud. It's where and we why live. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> it's a her. I'm American why I love her. Yeah. It's got to be a her. Of course it is. Yeah. Go ahead. What's another label like trust? <laughs> go ahead. I dare you. Go ahead. The next one I'm going to talk about is a label called uh, Secretly Canadian. It's Love a label it. that I've just kind of come across in the last few years. They're part of kind of like almost like a tripod. They have There's a thing called the Secretly Group where it's including secretly Canadian Dead Oceans which I could also talk about for hours uh, how much I love this shit on yeah, that label and Jag Jaguar yeah, who is also yeah. all, so they're almost like this like holy trinity of like indie rock but I just singled out secretly Canadian for a couple reasons I, there's a lot of stuff on that label that I've just recently in the last few years I've really gotten into again went Cherry Glazer who went from Burger to Secretly, Secretly Canadian. Canadian I talked about Whitney that was one of my top 11 records of last year Whitney mm-hmm. is on there Stella Donnelly, who I love a lot, Australian oh, yeah. singer-songwriter. But I've gone on at length about how much I love Faye Webster. Yeah, dude. She is also on that label, love too, her. which is fucking cool. Love her. But they also have, like, Damien Gerardo on there, War on Drugs, the comedian Tig Notaro, the whole Jason Molina, Songs Ohio, Magnolia Electric Company, that's all on there, too. It's a super solid label, period. Yeah, dude. They also do cool re-releases, and this is what I'm going to talk about now. They recently reissued the first four Yoko Ono records. Now, we talked about this a little earlier today. (laughs) We've talked about this in other episodes. Like when people say the Sex Pistols were a boy band, and I say I just want to punch them in the arm. I hate that argument. It gets very violent. I hate when people dismiss Yoko Ono. Don't do it. Because here's the thing. Everyone regurgitates the shit that they've been hearing about Yoko she Ono broke for up 50 the yeah, exactly. She just for 50 screams. years. She just screams it's all experimental blah blah blah. I can guarantee you that 90% of the people who hate Yoko Ono have never spent any time listening to her music. And I want to say this. If I say something about Yoko Ono and you dismiss it or you give me like a face about it, I automatically don't respect you anymore. I realize that you are unimaginative in your life. Jesus. And I realize that you're closed-minded in your musical choices. I cannot take you fucking seriously if you tell me that you don't like Yoko. If you've sat down and you've listened to all of her stuff and you tell me, not in my bag, I'll buy that. Okay. But if you're just regurgitating the shit that's been said for years and years and years and years, I don't have time for you. I'm so glad we never had that. <laughs> it never came up we had that conversation. We might not even be podcasting today. <laughs> So she did like four records between 1970 and 1973, and they reissued all of them. She didn't really make another record. Much like John Lennon, they left the music business when Sean Lennon was born. They just focused on raising him. So they didn't make it. She didn't make another record until 81 when John Lennon had been shot, Season of Glass. Although they, obviously they did Double Fantasy and, mm-hmm. and that stuff too. But she did four records. They're amazing. And she does work within a pop structure. Her voice is sometimes hard to listen to because she's not sometimes. a technically good singer. <laughs> but she is working within a pop context. 
And it's funny because the song that I'm going to use for the mixtape is the exact opposite of everything I'm saying. <laughs> it is like one of the most, like the music itself is very, very, like it sounds like the first John Lennon solo record. Klaus Foreman's playing bass, Jim Gordon's playing drums. He has a lot of space to it. It's funky as shit. It's super it's funky. It's driving. Like this rhythm section is driving. John Lennon is playing the coolest, noisiest fucking guitar shit I've ever heard. Yeah, dude. Lyrically, it, this is a little more on the experimental side. So it's from her record called Fly. And the song that I want to use for the mixtape is a song called Hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like when you hear it, it's, it's just like relentlessly fucking cool. Like all the musically, even if you get past her vocals, which I still love, and lyrically I love it too. It's great. It's awesome. That's sweet. So secretly Canadian, great label, all that stuff. Secretly Canadian, Jag Jaguar, Dead Oceans, buy all of that shit when you see it. And what's cool about this is this is going to be a test for all the lightning liquors out there in Podcast America. Now that you are actually going to hear a song by Yoko Ono, you are going to be able to have an opinion and Jay will respect it either way because you've listened. (laughs) So you better fucking listen. You better listen. Whether you like it or not is beside the point, but thank you for at least taking the time and taking a listen to it. It is funky. Yeah. You're going to like that part of it. For sure. All right. So this is our last one. What else you got? Last one you got? I got Coal Mine Records. So here we go. Loveland, Ohio. Ever hear that place? I have not. Until until that record label came out, I have not. Just outside of Cincinnati in (laughs) Southern Ohio, geographically, where the rural rustic pig farming communities of Ohio collide with like the suburbs and the urban center where the meat goes to market, right? A lot of history, old farms, classic American Main Street downtown area. I'm just painting a picture of the place for fuck's sake. Anyways... It is in Loveland Do where, your thing, brother. where you will find a record store slash recording studio slash office of Coal Mine Records. This label has been around since the mid-2000s. Coal Mine is spelled C-O-L-E-M-I-N-E. It's uh, the brothers who found it. Their last name is Cole, C-O-L-E. That's where it got its name. And it specializes in soul music. Yeah. Some elements of R&B, pop, hip-hop, gritty funk, cinematic instrumental acts, reggae, Latin funk, Afrobeat, etc., etc. But for the most wow. part, their bread is buttered by soul music. Neo-soul. Yeah. For the new age. Yeah. It's more... Uh, Authenticity seems to be the key at times. Like a retro thing can seem authentic or it can seem like Cheesy and really neo Like Daptone Records, I love a lot of their releases and the artists they brought to the forefront, but you can tell like the sound of a Daptone record. Yes. And I don't know if it's because they use Pro Tools or whatever. I'm sure they do. They got a small studio in New York, but with Coal Mine, it's like you don't hear the compression. Like it's the scene. It feels to be authentic. authentic. It's yeah. warm. It's authentic. And I'm not a huge Daptone. Like that label, like that stuff kind of sets me off too. And I'm not really sure why. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about it. Right. But yeah, the stuff that I hear from Coal Mine, yeah. that stuff feels like it was recorded in the 60s. It feels like Atlantic Records, like R&B. Yeah, and yeah. Soul. It's less revivalist and like more forward thinking, like taking soul. Yeah forward. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, there's just something to be said for like treading that line between being futuristic and anachronistic at the same time. Like yeah. I feel like they do a good job with that. So their shit sounds timeless, and I've been blown away many a times by their LP and 45 RPM releases. They first came to my attention by blind buying a coal mine 45 from our record store of choice, Electric Kitsch, and I've been Bell. hooked ever ding, since. Ding, 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 ding. We're not belling everything. Though. I know. <laughs> I'm doing it, but we're not. Some of the acts in their stable that you may recognize include Duran Jones and the Indicators, Monophonics, maybe Say She She, which is a girl group that made my top 11 list of 2022. Very cool. Yep. Black Pumas is one of theirs, probably the biggest act so far to like emerge the breakout. from Coal Mine. Yeah. Right? But I'm a big fan of all that I've heard, and I feel like 
I'm good for at least a few coal mine purchases per year, and I'm never disappointed. So, I mean, that would be the definition of a label that we trust, right? The choice cut that I'm going to use, I wanted to go with something new since this label is so, as we said, forward thinking. Hot off the presses, just released a debut full length on coal mine. That would be a gentleman by the name of Pale J. This fella is also from, a great name, by the way. <laughs> from Parts Unknown. Is it just describing my co host or is it the name of a new act? <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> Uh, He's from Parts Unknown, don't know much about him. He's classically trained pianist and vocalist, I do know that, but he also produces and he sings with his sweet falsetto voice and all of his cuts. He wears this like red ski mask, so there's some mystique around his identity. And I read in his bio that there was a bicycle crash or some shit. That's the origin story they're putting forth. I don't know if that's, like it seems very likely that's real. Yeah, it's right. It's the thing. Unsure if that's the truth or not, but his songs are dope regardless. So the cut that I want to use is one called By the Lake. And it's kind of a breakup reflection told in the lyrics, but the backing track is unique because he cut up and sampled a song by his label mates, Okonski, who happened to be like this soul jazz trio. And the record that it comes on is actually a 45 split. So on side A is the Pale J tune, and on side B, the flip is the OG Okonski cut. So that's just a sweet presentation. I really like the way. Yeah, that I'm glad that you were allowed me to like listen to both because it's cool to hear the song that he chopped up. It's nice to hear the original source. Yeah, and then see what he did with it too, which is really cool. But this guy's definitely got something to offer. We'll see how long he sticks with that ski mask, but it's definitely <laughs> worthwhile artist to get on your radar. And he's going to have a new record dropping. And by the time you hear this, this record will be out in the universe. Check out Pale J because I guarantee that he's going to have something worthwhile on that record. Something we might be talking about this as your top 11 of the year. I know. I'm worried about that. That's okay. I'm always worried we about We can double dip once in a while. Yeah, I know. double dip. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Nobody cares. All right, Jay, do you have one more label that we can trust? I do. And it's a Midwestern label out of Champaign, Illinois. That's a good place. <laughs> Illinois is a neat state. Illinois. And that's a label called Polyvinyl. Mm. They were... They came together. It was a two... A woman and a dude, they were high school students. They had their own zine, which was called... We were talking about zines earlier. Like, yeah. Do people still do zines in the in the computer age? Do people still do actual like print zines? There's some zines. There was these two high school kids, Mad Lunsford and Darcy Knight are their names, and they had a uh, zine. And then when they were putting out the zine, at one point they kind of put out like a comp, and it was all spotlighting kind of Midwestern DIY pop, indie pop stuff. Yeah. So they kind of put out a like, collection, and then they started putting out seven inches, and then they just became a full-fledged label. They became yeah, polyvinyl, and they've been around, actually don't remember when, I did all this uh, research, research, but I don't know when the label became a thing. But anyway, 80s or 90s It's or neither something. here nor there. Yeah. But again, they're a stable of artists are super strong. The bands that I love recently, again, they're just a, of Montreal is a band I've loved for a really long time. Yeah. They're a polyvinyl band. Anna Birch, who is from Michigan, yeah. who I love, she is on that. Hazel English, one of my other favorite female singers right now, also from that too. And then oh, I just talked about Whitney earlier from Secretly Canadian. When I saw them recently uh, with my buddy Alan, uh, a band, a woman named Squirrel Flower opened up, yeah. and I fucking fell in love with her. It's just dream we featured pop. her as well. Yes, we have. Um, and she is also on that label, too. But also, they have released records from Always, American Football, Generationals, which is yeah. our last guest, also talked about that band, The Get Up Kids, Laura Jane Grace, Pedro the Lion, Starfucker, and Zuzu. Those are all, Ooh. like, major 
they're on that label currently, but they've yeah. also released stuff from White Reaper, Asobi Sexu, Beat Slang, Japan Droids, Joan of Arc, The Rental, Stadia Looks Good to Me, another Michigan band, mm-hmm. Fred Thomas from Michigan. It's a very cool label, and I love that they represent Midwestern pop. Yeah, dude. The song in the band that I want to use for the mix is a band that I don't even think is together anymore. Like, their shit is still out there, but they haven't released anything in a long time. It's a band called Painted Poems. Never heard of them until just earlier. Yeah, two dudes, according to the story, they were cousins that grew up together in New Orleans. The one guy moved to San Francisco, so they put all their records together. They did two full links and two EPs that they put together like almost by coastal like they stayed they did it when they went back and forth and yeah. they put this together and I was looking at the polyvinyl website and the vinyl is not even available anymore I'm sure you can get it on eBay and Discogs and stuff like that too but they did two full lengths and two EPs to describe them the best way that I can describe them is if you they're an MGMT if MGMT were more obsessed with the Beatles. Like, honestly, the stuff is so gloriously poppy. They do that fine line between electronics and, like, organic instruments, guitars and drums, but a lot of electronics. And the stuff is just beautiful. It's just dreamy, and it's magical sounding, and I fucking love it. And they were kind of discovered by Kevin Barnes of of Montreal. Like, he kind of discovered that band, took them on the road with him when they first came out, too. I think that was a lot of people's introduction to that band is through of Montreal. But the song that I want to use was from their first full length called Forever, and it's a song called Here It Goes. And I honestly say, it's like, it literally, it's so joyous that it kind of brings me to tears a little bit. It's pure joy. Yeah, there's a a sleigh Sleigh bell that never 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 stops throughout (laughs) the whole song. And the vocals are very like ethereal and pretty, and it's so melodic, and it's so catchy, and I just love it. So yeah, Painted Poems. And polyvinyl's still out there getting it done. So, again, another label that you can trust. If you see that yeah. polyvinyl label, just, just fucking buy it. Because you know you're not going to be disappointed, probably. Never are. Nope. Never nope. will be. And that's it. It's a great label. Those are the labels we trust. So, uh, I guess it's time for a mixtape. I'm going to do it. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Do it. All right. Do it. All right. Do it. All right.
You ask me why I love her? Well, give me time. I'll explain it. For every quarter, a store in every corner, public defender, appoint to every pauper. Affordable jet blue, any one of you could board a flying saucer. Access to cough drops and pork chops, sports facilities in the vicinity for free. You must be kidding me, this ain't the place to be. Minimum ways they could pay you, you could praise, you could choose who you pray to. Regardless who you choose is your God. Workers comp if you get hurt at your job. Food stamps, benefit cards. Ain't lousy. Child labor laws, section eight housing. I spy, gas and oil power. Wi-Fi, lots of phone towers. The post office and the bus station and the train station and the fire and the sanitation departments. Eviction laws will buy you six extra months in your apartment. The public park and the park bench. The street lights in the darkness. It's all awesome and it's all sense. Okay, the streets don't pave with gold. At least they paved though. Weaker than the euro, stronger than the peso, but you get what you pay for, so be grateful. Think you the only file in the caseload? This is a crazed, unsafe globe, case closed. Complaining oh so much, what else do people even think they owe so much? We are the 99% locally. We are the 1% globally. Take a trip where women fertilize their ovaries and diagnosis is hopefully, it's sobering. Cut the woe is me It's a work in progress and it may always be But even overseas opportunity is known to be in
Threw back a shot of yak and started jabbering, jibbing, fibbing, and ad-libbing Just to get it to my crib then We was chilling on the bed, bumping some Isley Thought I was about to spread the thighs, but she surprised me when she said Oh, like that? You know I don't get down I know my homie's gonna clown, cause I let her stick around when Yeah, I give you the world if you need 
So that was the mixtape. We certainly hope you enjoyed that mixtape. Wonderful mixtape of labels that we trust, bands from labels that we would easily purchase if we uh, we trust them. Yeah, if we're like looking at it and like, are we going to buy this or not? And you flip it over and you go, oh, it's on that label? Yep. I'm buying that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. So that was great to get back together. I want the listeners out there to listen to something. Listen to this. If you've heard that throughout the episode, that is the sound of our forearms in this hot and humid summer day in Bay City, Michigan, coming up off of the dining room table. The plastic, the plastic snowflake, snowflake table. Snowflake cover on the table. That's this is, sticky. Yeah, it's like the first summer day that we've had like that felt like summer in probably two months. Yeah. Because it's literally like rained and it's been like 70 to 80. It's very uncomfortable. It's comfortable, yeah. But it's like just like the first day that actually feels like yeah. For... I just want Dion to loop this and create a song with it. That's me pulling my forearm <laughs> off of the table cover. For pool owners such as myself, this has been a nightmare <laughs> of the summer a season. Because not only do you have like this petri dish of chemicals that you need to try to keep in order, but nobody uses the motherfucker and you see all this money that you're just throwing into a bin and lighting on fire and nobody's... Because the days haven't been as such that you want to get in take a dip in the pool no it hasn't been hot enough if i get home today after podcasting with my friend jay and somebody's not in that fucking pool i am going to lose my mind so at this point we've become full-fledged old men because yeah. we are now talking about the fucking weather also get off our lawn <laughs> so as always thank you for listening we yeah. appreciate it Stick around. We have a bonus episode that's going to probably be out in a few weeks after this, too. Keep your ears peeled for that. Right on. We bring a special guest in. We'll talk about some stuff that we're currently obsessing over. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to hear what they got to bring to the table. We'll field trip for that so they won't be at the table. And it should be known that our next episode is going to be an alphabetic episode. So we're going to be dipping into the letter H, Yeah. which I'm very excited about. The letter H. The letter H. I'm very excited about Fucking it. Great. As always, thank you for listening. We love you. Yep. See you later. Are you can bring up that theme song? Yeah. And rate us five stars or four. Or, or whatever on all that it. shit yeah do it and then uh, nothing's perfect we'll, yeah. do, we'll take we'll, we're happy with four stars no we're not <laughs> <laughs> all or nothing go big or go home okay thanks thanks for listening <laughs> bring up that theme alright here it comes here it comes here it is <laughs> nice that was fun I, I, I wasn't sure about that. 
Sonic contributors to the 32nd episode of Lightning Licks Radio include Brothers Johnson, Lee Moses, Holland Dozer Holland, James Todd Smith, Hyde Keach, Grzobin, Kavinsky, Coffin, Mark Mothersbaugh, Ryan Kay, Paul Rubens, Chris Klein, Anthony Fantano, Damien Keys, Joski Love, Diff Jeff, Dust Brothers, Tone Loke, Young MC, Masters of Reality, The Brand New Heavies, Nani Davenport, Jimi Hendrix, The Far Side, De La Soul, The Strange Loves, The Music Machine, The Ramos, Yes, Madonna, Echo and the Bunnymen, the Rizzolos, the Human League, Pavement, H.P. Zinker, Crack, Helium, Liz Fair, Peach, Kelly Pop, Death Valley Girls, Ty Siegel, Habibi, the Summer Twins, Cherry Glazing, Easy Love, Person, Bright Chies, Faint, the Spare Tuxedos, Tomlin, 764 Hero, Modest Mouse, the Paranoids, the Coat Hangers, the Gun Club, Peanut Butter Wolf, Madlib, Jay Dilla, Oh No, Homeboy Sandman, John Wayne, the Producer, also, John Wayne, the famous actor, Georgia Muldrow, Phoebe Bridges, Stella Donnelly, Faye Webster, Yoko Ono, John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band, Pale J, Kendra Morris, Black Market Brass, Karan Jones, Say She She, Monophonics, Dive Turkeys, Akonsky, Jacko Gardner, Always, American Football, Kuzu, Painted Palms, Starfucker, Adrian Quesada, IKB Showdown, and The Clockers. Look, folks, these liquor guys, they'll be back soon. This is my promise to Podcast America. Thanks for listening. Now let's get ice cream. Ice cream. Lightning Lux is in the mix. The cross faded with these dusty fingertips. We learn from digging in the bins at electric pitch. We are living the hits. We got funk and soul and so much more We got the hip-hop, rip-hop, new and old We got the free jazz, punk, rock, disco, gold Garage, psych, dub, and acoustic funk And then you request like, nah, man I think I left that LP at home It's on the shelf in my basement That's where it belongs Sorry, y'all Now don't get me wrong I really do appreciate your input But I don't really need your stinking input Nah, B, I'm just playing Just trying to play too The rule is what I'm saying Why waste your time on a top 40 hit list When you can prep platters like a catering business So fresh, I'm high five on my deck Make me collaborate and curate That's teamwork, baby You are the no B-side treat With the guts so deep to make your ear holes bleed Dusty groups and forgotten gems Sample sources from way back when You're like, hmm, that sounds familiar Well, it's Osley Bros Now Biggie Cupid and the bud is still ill And it still kills It's a bona fide hope for that For a last to deal